0: Hello there, my name is McNeil and you are listening to the McNeil and Friends Podcast. Here I invite different people to talk about movies. We talk about movies that are currently playing in the theaters and topics related to cinema. If you like this type of content, be sure to follow my podcast on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also support my podcast by telling your friends, and if you don't have any, you can tell your family. Thank you for listening. What's up, everybody? This is my new episode of my new series called Movie Screen Quarantine. Due to the world's current circumstances, I'm talking about a wide variety of topics regarding movies in this series. Today, we're talking top 10 favorite movie villains, and I'm here with my friend Tim, so go ahead and say hey, Tim. Hey, what's going on, people? So, you guys are probably familiar with Tim if you listen to my Captain America, the Winter Soldier episode, but he's back, and like I said, we're talking about movie villains today and personally I think villains are the most interesting type of character because their motivations are less obvious and because of that they're kind of more mysterious and I also just like trying to figure out what's wrong with the person and why they are the way they are what about you what's uh interesting to about villains to you oh I agree
1: 100% just because yeah they they shape the movie and they also have a personality that's off the wall, crazy. Sometimes it's just straight up nuts. Yeah, where they're psycho. Um, sometimes they have a backstory as to why they are the way they are and what helped them to turn this way. Um, some people think that they're just doing the right thing and this is the way to go about it. Yeah, um, for sure. And like that, I feel like that's a huge part of the movie. Just you know, you got a protagonist antagonist, and it's great.
0: Yeah. Uh, so all the performances that I have, I think are, even my honorable mentions, I think are some of the best performances of all time. So do you have any honorable mentions? I have a couple honorable mentions
1: just because I, I like these characters in general. Um, yeah. Their flaws were definitely pointed out as far as like... Not necessarily acting, but uh, like the way I felt. It, and when I went with a lot of my villains, I went with the way I felt when I saw them mm-hmm. and how they kind of related to the character. Um, but some of my honor mentions um, Commodus from Gladiator. Okay. He was the notorious dude who gave the thumbs down on um, yeah. the Gladiator themes. And like, towards the, in the movie, you just ended up hating the guy because he just made wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision. Yeah. He yeah. was an idiot. And like, you were just waiting for Maximus to absolutely take him out. And sure enough, that's what he did at the end because he wanted to challenge him, thought he was big stuff. And finally, you're just like, yep, eat it, Commodus. No, nothing for you, man. Yeah. Um, Another one that just was a childhood bring up for me was uh, Samara from The Ring. Okay. Um, You don't necessarily think of her as like a bad guy, but at the same time, like that image is ingrained into my brain. Yeah. And will never leave. So I see a child with long black hair in front of their face, that scares the ever-living crap out of me. Oh, yeah, and me I'm too, like, for I'm, sure. I'm turning another direction. I'm not going that way. Yeah. Uh, so those were two. And then, of course, I love my Marvel characters, so I put in, you know, Loki and Ronin, those characters okay. that are just fun. Uh, Loki is just a, a character that at some point you're just kind of like, hey, you know what, I relate with this dude just a little bit, and I see where you're going with that. And, oh, you just, you know, stab us in the back again. Okay, all right, cool, cool. Y- yeah. Ronin yeah. just wants pure destruction, wants to take over the universe. Um, and he just wants to take out anybody in his way, and at one point wanted to take out Thanos, but, um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy stood in his way, and he couldn't do what he needed to, but yeah, those are some of the honorable mentions that I had in mind
0: there. Okay, so I got five honorable mentions. So I got, this one is Hans Landa, played by Christoph Waltz from the uh, Inglorious Bastards. Ah, yeah, okay. Um, he's, he's not necessarily, like, an intense villain. You know, he's not, like, uh, violent, I guess you could say, but he's more just kind of personally invasive. You yes. know, where he's just kind of like all up in your business and he's just real nosy and but at the same time he's just kind of intimidating without looking that way. You know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah, he's one of them uh Bane from The Dark Knight Rises played by yeah. Tom Hardy. He was a great villain. Uh, I think, for some reason, some people have problems with The Dark Knight Rises and maybe Bane in particular, but I think he's awesome. I mean, he was a good match for Batman, for sure. Yeah, I love Tom Hardy. Um, but speaking of Batman, Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. hmm hmm Have you seen that one?
1: I haven't seen all the way through, but I've seen clips, and I've seen how crazy yeah. he is
0: in that movie. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's technically the protagonist, but he's a villainous protagonist, yes. so it's, yes. it's told through the perspective of a villain. Um, and so he was just crazy in that role and absolutely absurd. And he was a serial killer. So he's just super crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Norman Bates played by Anthony Perkins from psycho back in 1960.
1: Okay. Yes. I've seen clips of that too.
0: Yeah. He's good. And then Jack Torrance played by Jack Nicholson from the shining. Ah, yeah. Shining. Yeah. <laughs> That's a classic one too. Yeah. Jack Nicholson was great as a uh, Jack Torrance in the shining. That was He's definitely one of the one of the best villains out there for sure. Yes. So what's your number 10? Honestly, so
1: I'm going number 10. It was one of your honorable mentions was Bane. All right. Like, I like Bane from The Dark Knight R- 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 Rises only because, like, the comic book and him breaking Batman is huge. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the fact that he is able to take down your protagonist and you feel like there's no hope, obviously you're thinking to yourself, it's a superhero one, so i got going to have to figure out how to get this guy back in, but... Bane is just Bane, and how Tom Hardy plays him and just takes out anybody there is absolutely awesome to me, and I think that's that was a good one for me, and especially as a comic book superhero, supervillain kind of character,
0: um, I loved uh, his portrayal of Bane, so I thought that was awesome. Yeah, Bane's definitely a great villain, and I like how you have that scene, in the, I think it's like in the middle of the movie, where he's fighting Batman mm-hmm. and just totally destroys him, breaks yes. his back and everything, and... It's hard to defeat Batman, so the fact that Bane pulled it off is, I think, what makes him a really strong villain, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my number 10 is Owen Davian from Mission Impossible 3, and this was played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't know, are you a fan of the Mission Impossible franchise? Yeah, dude, yeah. Okay, yeah. And Philip so, Seymour Hoffman is good, too, dude. He's oh, a yeah. solid dude. Rest in peace, For man. sure, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he's passed away, but I think his villain in mission impossible 3 Owen Davian I think he was the best villain of the mission impossible franchise yes um he was he made things really personal for Ethan Hunt which is Tom Cruise um with doing crazy things that kind of involved his wife at the time yep and uh he was just really sadistic but he did it he did all these crazy like terroristic things in a calm manner I guess you could say and that kind of made him more intimidating because he, yes. he just appeared so calm all the time you got like you got that scene where they're on the they're on that plane and ethan hunt kind of goes a little bit out of character by going full-on jack bauer on him and he's just yelling at him and trying to get to the objective but then he's like do you have a girlfriend or a wife and he was like he's like Cause i'm just gonna kill her dude that just and, yeah, man, that freaks the crap out of me <laughs> yeah he was he was intimidating so i mean i'm a big fan of the mission possible franchise so it was hard for me not to include Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman as Owen Davian on this list. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's an awesome one. That's a great one.
0: Yeah. So what's your number nine? Number nine.
1: I'm going to go a little bit on a limb on this one, but I really enjoyed this series, the new remake of the series, but uh, Koba from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Okay. Um, My brother and I watched all I didn't even think about that. Dude, I I know it was weird because I was like you don't necessarily see his acting per se as much as you just hear his voice and you see the CGI. Yeah. But what Koba did in, like, the betrayal and then just the change of of what's going on with the apes in general and how they were trying to, you know, res- be, be respectful with the humans and try yeah. to work with them and that kind of stuff. And how Koba totally changed everything and just went straight evil, totally messed up, like, everything that was going on. Yeah, totally. Sure. Threw a wrench in, Because there was really no villain in the movie Except for the fact that, hey, you're trying to get be able to relate and get along with and, and have some good um, camaraderie with mm-hmm. another species, but Koba threw the wrench in it and just messed everything up. I yeah. I forget who played
0: him. Um, I don't remember. I series. know Andy Serkis was Caesar. Yes, yes. Um, but I can't remember who was Koba.
1: But I loved I loved that, and I loved Koba, because that totally changed a lot of stuff for me and my brain um, about just... You know, people turning so fast, and then the how the villainy turns where it is because he had his own agenda and he wanted to do what he wanted to do. He wanted he wanted to, the, the the apes to survive, um, yeah, and he wanted in the rule. Um, that's really what it turned out to be.
0: So, yeah. How about you? My number nine is Terrence Fletcher from Whiplash, which is oh, he, uh, oh yeah oh that's it's, a, that's a good one. Yeah, he's played by J.K. Simmons, who so I think is yes. a really great and underrated actor, in my opinion. Uh, yes, he's one of the most uniquely intense characters in a movie I've ever seen, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's this really crazy dude who's ruthless. He shows like no guilt in anything that he does. But he's also a perfectionist. And so, at one point of view, he's kind of wanting his students to get better. But he's also just a jerk at the same time. Because he's abusive. He's verbally abusive. He's manipulative. And he's just violent even at times. Like, he'll throw a chair at a student just because they're slightly flat. And, by the way, if you're not familiar with Whiplash, the movie is about uh, a jazz band at a college, and J.K. Simmons plays the uh, instructor for the jazz band, and he's just this ruthless teacher, you know? Yes, bro. As a, as a teacher, like, as yeah. a
1: music teacher, like that, It's it's crazy how much like perfectionism you start to think about and when I saw that movie I almost was like oh shoot I hope I don't become like that too at some (laughs) point but it's so easy to tread that path and like and like part of it was like I was like man I could see how he wants this guy to be perfect but at the same time I was like dude he's he's making like small mistakes but like he was perfectionist to like the nth degree and you're right he didn't get enough credit for that because that was an excellent role. Well, he
0: he won he won an Oscar for that performance. Oh yes,
1: okay, okay, yeah. But he,
0: that was incredible. Like that movie for sure was awesome. Was awesome. And he he's uh I mean, he's just great. I mean, even like he's trying to like at first where the I forget the guy played by I'm even forgetting the actor's name. The younger guy, the student, the main main character in the movie. Yeah, the drummer. I remember that. Yeah, he is you know excited to kind of get to be part of this band because it's like a privilege but and the and uh terrence fletcher pulls him out in the hall and gets to know him a little bit and then kind of you know tries to build somewhat of a relationship it seems like he's trying to be nice and he finds out things about you know like his mom left when he was really young and then he uses that against him he's like like verbally insulting him um about his mother leaving him and that's why he's not doing good and that's mm-hmm. why he's not quite his tempo you know and stuff like yes. that oh. so it's it's an intense movie for sure i mean even though it's it's a drama but it's really intense just because of that character you know bro intense is the word
1: to describe it That for is for sure like, after watching that that the word intense that's what i think about that's exactly definitely yeah about. that's awesome so what's your number eight all right so number eight um i went with um, Khan from Star Trek Into Darkness. All right, um, I'm a huge fan of, of Benedict Cumberbatch, and you've seen I've seen him in Sherlock, you've seen him in Doctor Strange, and all these yeah. other different movies where he's a great, um, just great actor and plays the hero. Um, but for him to make the turnaround in Con. I thought he was the deadliest person ever, and he was, <laughs> he was very calm, kind of like you said uh, uh, Philip Seymour was. Like, right. He just was very calm, and he's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to stop me, and yeah. you can't stop me, and so this is how I'm going to destroy everything that you've ever made. Um, so I thought him was an amazing Just his acting in that, in being Khan from that Star Trek franchise. Once again, I'm diving into. I love the sci-fi fantasy stuff, so this is where I'm. I'm my brain's thinking a lot. Um, Yeah, Benedict coming back. I had to put him in there, especially as a villain in that respect, um, just because I loved how he played that character.
0: I've actually so I've tried Star Trek before when I was, but I was really young, and Mm -hmm. I've just never really gone back to it. So I know Khan is supposed to be like the most iconic Star Trek villain. You know, but I honestly like know really nothing about Star Trek. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I really
1: don't know as much because I don't think I got into the series at all. But when they rebooted it, um, mm-hmm. I decided to start watching it. And then, especially since they put Benedict Cumberbatch into Star Trek Into Darkness, um, yeah, they did a really good job with him being a part of their group. And then all of a sudden, just doing a, a one eighty. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, uh, I have to do this. This is my destiny. This is your destiny. You have, you have to die. Kind of, kind of deal. Yeah. And um, he does a great job of just playing that villain. So if you ever want to see him play a villain role that is similar, kind of similar to Seymour's, um, check out Star Trek in the Darkness. That new one was pretty good. I liked, I liked that one. Not a huge Star, Star Trek fan, but I like that portrayal of Khan.
0: Maybe I should go back and kind of check those out because – uh, I know Star Trek is, you know, obviously it's a big franchise, but I just, for whatever reason, I've tried them and I was young, couldn't get into them. And I mean, maybe I might like them now because there are some series that I've gone back to watch um, mm-hmm. and I actually like now, you yeah, know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, my number eight is Amy Elliott Dunn from Gone Girl. Oh, yes. Yeah. Dude. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, you go ahead. Cause <laughs> that,
1: oh, man. Wow. Wow, and that's a that's an interesting role too. Because like as I even think about that movie, I'm like, villain, villain, villain. Like, there's no. It's like, oh man, that's crazy. All right, go go
0: ahead. Though. Yeah. That's just, it's All, right. All right. Well, so she's played by Rosamund Pike. She's a great actress. Um, I watched this movie for the first time about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought she was absolutely crazy. You know, and you don't like I didn't really see that coming. Like, yes. Oh man. The first the first half of the movie, I was kind of questioning whether Ben Affleck was the villain or not. I was like, "Did he? Act, is he actually the guy to blame here? But I never started thinking, well, maybe it's her, you know? Because in the movie, it's all about the media. It's all about showing you what's told, not yep. what's actually happening. So she's able to manipulate the media. She's able to manipulate the public. And she's able to manipulate her husband just because she wants revenge on him. And she will put herself through absolutely anything – pain, emotional distress, anything just to get revenge on her husband. And she frames others by, you know, doing some crazy things and at the same time she's doing that but playing innocent. Yes. And at the end of the movie, you know, she wins. She gets to control Ben Affleck's character Nick, she controls his life, you know, and we have to assume forever.
1: Bro, that 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 that's a that's an excellent pick. Yeah, Because of the fact, like you said, she is freaking crazy in the sense that she just does what she has to do in order to manipulate everything that
0: has to be done. Yeah. I mean, she's really intelligent, but it's like, why are you this smart? <laughs> right you know? Dude, and like she's you said, crazy. first half of that movie, you're like, huh, oh,
1: okay. Yeah, you're right. I think, yeah, Affleck, dude, are you, you're looking a
0: little shady right now.
1: Yeah, and then for it sure. Just, the middle, sure enough, it breaks, and you're like, um... Okay. All right. And
0: well. usually the plot twist is at the end. There's some big reveal, but it was in the dead center of the movie. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, where are they going to go from here? <laughs> I mean, of course, I didn't read the book, so I just watched the movie yeah. going in completely cold. And that's a movie to go in cold and know absolutely nothing. Yes. You know, that's that's a good movie to just watch, know nothing about, don't read anything before you watch it, and just let it unfold. You know. Yeah
1: pretty sure i showed that i remember showing that movie to my wife and she was like uh no 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 no
0: no i'm not watching it again <laughs> yeah <laughs> Dude, it's insane it, i mean and it's not a super violent movie or anything like that um until there's like one scene at the end with uh neil patrick harris mm-hmm. and you're just like oh my gosh this is disturbing <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy but she's uh you don't when I mean, you think villain you don't normally think amy elliott done you know um but when i'm just kind of looking through movies i've seen and trying to figure out which villains from certain movies i like best and i looked at gone girl i was like i gotta have her on this list she's crazy you're right but that's that's hard because it's is
1: she the also the the like the protagonist is she also the hero in the movie too like because she's the villain it, but she it's weird, it's really weird that's that's why that's that that becomes an amazing amazing pig to adelaide. I don't even think about that but that's that's good that's good, show.
0: yeah, I mean, in a way, you can kind of see where she's coming from, but you're like you're just taking this way too far, mm-hmm. you know it's just like just kind of you know just get rid of him, yeah as yeah. In don't don't kill him, but you know just kind of you know just leave him if you don't like him, but mm-hmm. then it's like you're crazy, you're absolutely <laughs> crazy <laughs> yeah. you know. So I yeah she's she's a great villain I thought yeah that's good yeah what's your number seven all right seven um
1: throwing it back here I'm going with Ivan Drago from Rocky Five Drago okay. he didn't say much in the movie at all the, what the famous line was what I I will break you that he said I've to never Rocky? seen any
0: of the Rocky movies
1: okay dude okay so yeah. th- this is the one I remember out of all of them. So Rocky 5 Ivan Drago the, the, the main purpose is US has to fight goes against Russia I forget where it is I think it might be in the middle of uh maybe like the cold war something like that but there is historical events surrounding it and uh uh Rocky Sylvester Stallone has to fight Ivan Drago from Russia um just to kind of do a little bout I think it's just kind of for for bragging rights as far as like country's concern and Drago is your typical Russian the man is huge his punch is like a straight iron to your face. Um, yeah. And the dude is massive. I mean, just head taller than him. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Creed series because they bring that back um, as well. But Creed. I two, can't remember
0: if I saw. I either saw one of the Creed movies or. No, I didn't see one of the Creed movies. I don't know why I'm getting a mix up with this. I saw Grudge Match. Did that have okay. any tie into the Rocky movies? I don't think so. I don't think so. But this.
1: But Ivan Drago was. He just, I think the great thing I liked about him is that he didn't say much, but you can tell his, like, his demeanor the entire time he was either on camera or they showed a shot of him or even in the fight where he had to fight Rocky at the end, he just looked menacing and destructive. Like, you just didn't want to be in a room with him because you're afraid that he was going to haul off and smash you through the wall. Like, he's just that huge and that massive. And then even in, when it comes back in Creed 2 and Creed's son has to fight, his son you're still looking at him like yeah i remember you're huge i don't want to be anywhere around you and i don't want to be around your son because apparently he's crazier than you um yeah drago was that's a childhood memory of mine that i will never forget of
0: that being an iconic villain for sure i've been meaning to get to watching the the rocky movies at some point i've been wanting to see them because i like sylvester stallone i think he's good in the action movies that he does and stuff. So I've been meaning to see those, but Yeah. Check out 5, check out
1: the one where he fights uh Apollo Creed. That's always a good classic one. Balboa's good.
0: I think Rocky 6 is the one that everybody says don't watch it cuz it was dumb. There's <laughs> <He's> like, like <laughs> a, there's a lot of Rocky movies for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. But um so my number 7 is Voldemort.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, his I mean his real name is Tom Riddle, but uh Voldemort is what everybody knows He's from the Harry Potter series. He's played by Um, I think I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly, but Rafe Fiennes, maybe I think that's how you say his last name. He was the guy and he was the antagonist in Schindler's list. And he's been to some other stuff, but I actually just recently watched all the Harry Potter movies. I kind of marathon them over the course of a week, a couple weeks back. Um, And I had tried the Harry Potter movies when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Couldn't really get into them. And I was like, you know what? I'll give him a shot. I don't have anything to do. We're all quarantining. So why not? And, uh, I watched him and I was like, the amount of impact that Voldemort has on every movie, even if he's not in the movie, is just crazy. Because he's like this monumental character in this entire franchise. And, I mean, he looks scary. He's obsessive. And the crazy thing about him is when you see the flashbacks of him, especially in uh, Half-Blood Prince, the sixth one, you realize that he's just kind of naturally evil. Yeah. You know? And uh, his main goal is to become immortal take over hogwarts kill harry potter all this crazy stuff but throughout all eight of these movies all seven of the books he's just kind of you know pulling the strings from behind the scene he's just this evil mastermind it's got this big plan he kind of won once you get to the end of the deathly hollows part two because it seemed like he killed harry potter you knew he wasn't dead but it seemed like he won but then it got reversed you know but I just thought the amount of impact that he had on the entire series was crazy. Dude, well, he, I mean, he was the man who should not be named, right? So, like,
1: yeah. his name should not be named. And so that was huge. I mean, you're right. He he had a massive impact, and he didn't really even show up till when. Was it the...
0: Well, you see him kind of at the end of the first one, where his okay. face appears on the back of that one guy's head. Yes. But, and like, then, the man
1: doesn't appear as, like, a character character.
0: Right, until the end of the fourth one, Goblet of Fire.
1: But he's in. He's like puppet mastering this entire thing that's
0: going on. Yeah, and you
1: feel his presence,
0: like in the second one, A Chamber of Secrets. You feel his presence in that movie because it's that story revolves heavily around the Slytherin house yes. and the influence that Tom Riddle, Voldemort, had on Slytherin from however many years ago. But um, and even a little bit in. Prisoner of Azkaban, the third one. But then it's not really until the last, probably, what, 30, 20 minutes of Goblet of Fire that you actually really get to see Voldemort in the flesh, you know? Mm. Yep. And then he's not even in, um, I don't think he was in Half-Blood Prince, which was the sixth one, but that one revolved heavily around his flashbacks of Mm -hmm. kind of who he is and uh, his origins, you know? So I just thought he was a really incredible villain in my opinion. Yeah, Voldemort's good. And I, he's he's really famous, too, because, I mean, the Harry Potter franchise is a, one of the biggest franchises out there, for sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw I saw him on a couple different, like, top ten yeah. um, characters,
0: villains, and stuff,
1: too, because he's just... That's, that's Voldemort. He's yeah. Iconic that way. Yeah, for sure. So what's your number six? All right, number six. T1000 from Terminator 2. Okay. That's Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yeah, that was a good T-1000, one. T1000. Dude, he... I don't even know. I can't remember him saying much in the movie. Yeah, he really didn't say much. But the fact that the character was who he was, and how many bullets, missiles, projectiles, vehicles, whatever was thrown at him, the man just came back together and continued. I mean, there's that iconic run that he did. Yeah. Just chasing after, um, you know, my boy Schwarzenegger and Sarah O'Connor. Like they, they just, the dude just went after. Him. I remember. The one scene that comes in my head is the one where he killed I think it was the mom and there's like the milk that spilled over dripping down and she's got some crazy I don't remember how she died but I remember as a kid like being like imprinted on my brain like okay that dude is a cold bloody killer and his idea is to kill anyone who gets in his way and he will not stop until he has completed his mission yeah, which yeah. is you know killing terminator and all that kind of stuff too T1000 crazy dude um, loved the concept behind him, and that made it awesome for me.
0: Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the first two Terminator movies. The rest are just kind of eh. Yeah. But the first two are awesome. They're classics. And when I watched the second one for the first time, I was just thinking the whole time, this guy cannot be stopped. He can't be destroyed. And when you think yes. he finally is, he's not. He just keeps coming back. I'm like, what does it take? seriously exactly. yeah the, the whole movie you're like how are they
1: gonna take him out how are they gonna yeah. do this and like even when he did get taken out in like the lava
0: hit, whatever you're like is he really gone? you never know <laughs> right that's that's a good movie that's a classic action movie for sure yes yeah so my number six this might come as a surprise for how low it is on the list but thanos dude yeah dude
1: that's a good one because I'm, I'm gonna tell you mine's coming up there it's okay. coming up there
0: yeah so Thanos obviously is played by Josh Brolin. He was in uh, the post-credit scenes for the first two Avengers movies, a little bit in Guardians of the Galaxy, but his mm-hmm. he was mainly present in Infinity War and Endgame. And you can even kind of argue that Infinity War was more his movie, you know, because that's where you learn about his motivations, his backstory, and just I kind agree, of dude. his uh, take on the universe and why. He has this certain plan, why he's going after the infinity stones um, the crazy thing about him is that he genuinely thinks his plan is right that's it, you know I mean he nobody can change his mind. he has no empathy at all towards anything he just want he literally wants to wipe out half of the universe, and the Marvel universe is huge mm-hmm. it's not just Earth, so he's not going to wipe out half of. 8 billion people you know he's wiping out uh, trillions of people so he's a ruthless dude he's cruel he's huge he's incredibly strong and powerful and you know i mean at the end of the movie he snaps his fingers and you watch half of the avengers die you know yep and i was not expecting that like i knew there was going to be a lot of death in infinity war when i first saw it and my prediction was that he was going to wipe out the main Avengers because it would have been a more intense loss, yep. you know, but you see Black Panther go and his movie just came out and I was like, what <laughs> yeah, the audible, like from the, from the crowd was like, wait, what? Like, yeah, everybody was I saw that surprised. I was a senior in high school when infinity war came out and everybody in the theater it was packed theater. Everybody was either in tears. Their jaw was dropped. Because they were just like, they they hated Thanos for what he did to the characters that they loved. I was the only guy in the theater smiling. (laughs) Because I was like, they finally gave us some true stakes. And they gave us a villain that won.
1: Yes, it ended so crazy that way.
0: Yeah, but then he, I mean, so he did succeed temporarily. Because then you got Endgame where they undid everything and then they kill him. But the way he went out was awesome just because of Iron Man's moment, you know. Yep, yep. But... He is uh, definitely, in, in my opinion, I think he's the best villain we've gotten out of Marvel, especially the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. Um, just because of the the weight of his impact. Yep. You know, dude, his line, "I am inevitable," like yeah. that's, and then oh, counter definitely. that with, "I am Iron Man." You know, yeah, that was, right. That was awesome. <laughs> that was great. So good. Yeah. So before we reveal our top five villains. Be sure to follow me on Letterboxd at McNeil Mulliken M-C-N-E-I-L-L-M-U-L-L-I-K-I-N. No spaces or capital letters. Letterboxd is where I post the movies I watch and write reviews. You can follow me on Instagram at underscore McNeil, M-C-N-E-I-L-L, followed by two more underscores. And you can follow the McNeil and Friends podcast on Instagram at mcneil.and.friends.podcast. Message me through either account to let me know what your favorite movie villains are, and if you have anything you'd like me to talk about on this podcast for the Movie Screen Quarantine series, message me through either Instagram account. Also, you can find the McNeil and Friends podcast on Twitter, and lastly, you can find the McNeil and Friends podcast on Patreon and support this podcast by becoming a patron, if you so desire. So, Tim, what's your number five? Dude, five? Thanos. You got it. All right. ended that right there. That was nice. That's... For for me, that
1: was you're right. The weight of what he did and how they used him to end that movie caused you to hate him to no yeah. end. The man thought he was doing everything right because at some point you were. I thought to myself, well, he just he just wants people to have you know wealth and prosperity and have nobody be in poverty. I mean, the dude said that he just wants yeah. everybody to live free and be cool, you know, and everything be good. And at the end of the movie, he sits down enjoying everything he's not killing anymore he's just chilling taking yeah. some harvest and he's good to go and you're right and the same thing endgame when he realizes he's beaten he's just like well i'm just gonna sit on down here until my time's
0: up and sure enough sits down you know if it fades away and seeing thanos in that t-shirt w- was hilarious dude you just see him walking he's got the t t-shirt on and he's like thanos is a farmer now <laughs> right? <You're> like what <laughs>
1: Dude, it was, I mean, you're just like, you're okay with this? And sure enough, like you said, when the movie ended, like when he snapped his fingers, you saw everybody disappear. Like I looked over, I think it was my brother. I looked at my brother. I was like, dude, how much time is left in this movie? He's like, dude, I don't think there's much left. And then he sits down and that's the end. And we're like, like we both went out heavy. And like, I don't think yeah. my brother and I usually talk about the movie a lot. We didn't say anything to each other. We you just had just to of take of like, it in. Yeah. We were like, dude, I did not think it was going to end that way. Yeah. I was like, no, me either. And there you go. Dude, yeah.
0: Sorry. I mean at the end, when you see everybody disappear and before you see that he's sitting down and everybody's turning to dust and there's no music. All you hear is the wind. And I think that just made his impact even greater because it was so real feeling. Obviously That's it's good. a superhero movie, but yep. we you know, we've gone through this like I guess you could say a journey with these characters for at that point ten years. Mm-hmm. And they're just all gone, and it's because of Thanos. And then he's sitting on a farm, just chilling, like he said. And he, you can tell he's like, "All right, my plan's done. I'm not. I don't feel any guilt or anything like that. He's just a cold dude. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's crazy, so good, man. So good, so good. What's your number five? So I'm gonna cheat here a little bit because right. I don't. I'm I, so I'm a huge fan of Star Wars. Yeah, and I don't feel right not including Darth Vader. Do it, but. I'm going to go with Darth Sidious, but I want to mention Darth Vader and Darth Maul because they're both so cool, you know? Okay, yep. But I personally, like, everybody's favorite is Darth Vader, but personally, I think Darth Sidious, Palpatine, whatever you want to call him, I think he's the best villain. And because of that, I mean, I like him the best. Okay. Because he's the guy that's, he's the puppet master. He's sitting there pulling all the strings throughout all nine of the Star Wars, uh, of the Skywalker saga, all of those movies. And... Each trilogy, he's just kind of different, you know. Whereas, I mean, Darth Vader's just kind of his own puppet. So because of that, mm-hmm. I, I like Darth Vader's really cool, especially that scene at the end of Rogue One. But because Palpatine's really just controlling him and warping his brain, I think Palpatine is the more interesting character, you know. Dude, I you're right. That's so. I watched finished Clone Wars. Um, okay, on Disney
1: Plus. Yeah. And watching the progression, knowing that Palpatine's supposed to turn into who he is from beginning to end, you see that manipulation the entire time. Yeah. And then after that, I decided to watch, um, I think I watched Clone Wars, the movie, and then I watched uh, Revenge of the Sith. And I was like, dude, he is a G. Like, I, I don't even know who his actor is, but the dude was good. Ian McDermott. Like, yeah. Oh, when he had to, ch- like, facial changes, emotional changes. The subtlety in his voice and just how he's able to manipulate and like how he looks over at Anakin and you're just like, dude, yeah. you could save your wife, man. Like, and he's like, oh yeah, do you, you want to save your wife? Of course you want to save your wife. It's okay. Just dabble in the, you know, the Sith for a little bit, dude. And then come back to the, you know,
0: the yeah, light. Now. It's like, oh, I mean, dude. he knows how to manipulate Anakin because he knows what he feels so strongly about, you know? So like in the prequels, you've got, it's not really Darth Sidious, you know, it's just Palpatine and he's, you know, he's a senator or no, sorry, he's a chancellor. Yes, maybe he was both at one point. I don't know. I think you're right. I think he was he was chancellor. He, he was chancellor because he's the
1: one that kind of helps make that doesn't help them like put them to a vote for the yeah I wanna, decision for stuff.
0: I want to say maybe in Phantom Menace he might have been the senator, and then okay. later on maybe he became right. chancellor or something like that. I'm not sure, but I know it was at one point Chancellor Palpatine. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so in the prequels, he's deceiving the government because he's really his true identity is Darth Sidious. But he's tricking everybody to think he's this good guy, but he's really not. Mm-hmm. And behind the scenes, he's manipulating Anakin so he could you know, restore the Sith Empire. So you've got that storyline in, tr- in the prequel trilogy where he's just kind of planting his seeds for his big plan. And then Order 66 happens in Revenge of the Sith. Everything goes to crap and he rises into power. And then he kind of takes a, a, a seat back. And um, the original trilogy doesn't really show up until Return of the Jedi. I mean, you see a hologram in The Empire Strikes Back, but that's just so brief. But in Return of the Jedi, you really see him even try to you know, manipulate Luke mm-hmm. and how to get him to take Darth Vader's spot, but then ultimately he gets defeated. But then he comes back in The Rise of Skywalker, and you're like, holy crap, you've been here this entire time? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so many people had a problem with him coming back, but in my opinion, I was just like, of course he had a plan. You know, if, of course he had a plan if it didn't work because he is the mastermind. And in the Rise of Skywalker where he's just got into this enormous fleet and uh you know he's in uh he's in that planet Exegol and he's in that big like arena type thing and he mm-hmm. was controlling Snoke the whole time all this crazy stuff. And it's like that it makes perfect sense to me that he was there. He was in control the whole time. And I kind of like that. It you know, it kind of came out of nowhere, and some people, so many people, had an issue with that because it didn't make sense to them. But it made perfect sense to me.
1: No, I like that. It, it, whenever a villain comes back, their vigor for just their plan is almost like renewed and almost like invigorated because it just makes them even, even more stronger. And, and, and in that case, because I just watched Rise of Skywalker, I don't know, I don't when it came out recently um, mm-hmm. on Disney Plus, but I finally saw it and I was like. Dude, this is genius. I was like, "Bring it back!" And once yeah. again, like Maul comes back in Clone Wars. Yeah, and I was like, "That's awesome!" And you know, at the end, you never really find out what happens to him per se either. But I was like, "That's awesome! I love those characters to come back because that's a huge twist for me." And dude, they just get to fight again. That's awesome. And that, yeah, like, I think that's amazing.
0: It was super cool. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Darth Maul came back in the Clone Wars. That was awesome. Um, he, he's, I think, one of the coolest sith lords there are just i mean he looks awesome his fighting style was awesome his lightsaber that moment when you see the the double blade and then i mean but like the reason i wanted to mention darth vader and darth maul is just because they are iconic really cool villains especially darth vader and i mean in my opinion the best moment with darth vader is when you see him you know that tie-in to a new hope at the end of rogue one and he's going down that hall just slaughtering those people that scene is crazy, but it's so good. Um, but I have to go with Darth Sidious for my number five. I just, I really wanted to mention Darth Vader and Darth Maul um, just because it, it is kind of hard to pick when it comes to Star Wars villains.
1: Good guys, man. That's, that's, that's a solid, that's a solid pick, though. I wouldn't yeah. say that's
0: cheating. That's good. That's solid. They all work together. It's like a triumvirate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For
1: sure. So what's your number four? All right. Number four. I think you'll like this one. All right. John Doe from seven. All right. Yeah. So Spacey. Dude, like, I, I even forgot because it's been a while since I've seen that movie. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like, Spacey has already been caught for a good chunk of it, correct? Y- yeah. And then and and somehow manipulates these people to do, to, to like commit these crimes or to like get stuck in these scenarios. And he just like almost narrates the whole thing. Yeah. And it's just like telling this story, and they're finding these bodies who have committed these different crimes of the seven deadly sins. Yeah. He's nuts. The dude is, a, he's, I don't know he's if that's crazy. a psychopath or a sociopath or what. Definitely psychopath. And then at the end, dude, who makes a cardboard box that important? That For At real? the end, everyone's like, what's inside? What's inside? Tell what's me what's inside. What's in the, box? We got what's in the <laughs> box, right? Yeah. And you're like,
0: holy cow. So like yeah. that
1: is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, he's he's definitely a great villain. We may or may not see him a little later on my list. <laughs> but he's he's definitely one of the best. My number four is Anton Chigurh from Dude. New Country for Old Men. And he's played by Javier Bardem, great actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I talked about earlier, Philip Seymour Hoffman was a really calm villain, but he's super intimidating. And if you think about that uh, aspect of that character and knock it up to ten levels of even being more calm and more intimidating... That's Anton Shiger, in No Country for Old Men. I mean, this dude is another... I mean, he's just another ruthless character, obviously. And like I said, he's extremely calm and intimidating. At the same time, it's just kind of weird and ironic. But the cool thing about him is that he's really great at improvising anywhere he is. If something goes wrong, he's just like, I'll grab this and I'll see what I can do with it, you know?
1: Yep, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: the the way he just kind of uses certain objects as tools, like... The first thing you see him do is when he approaches that car, and he pretends to be a cop, but he's obviously not a cop, and he has that thing, and you don't really know what he's going to do, and he yeah. puts up against the guy's forehead and just knocks him out, whatever the thing was. Um, but I mean, he's just a psychopath. Yeah. But he's he's like he's a hitman at the same time, and he also he won, kind of. He did, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he I say kind of because he kind of had to escape, but he he was successful with what he was trying to do he was trying to get the money and he was trying to make uh, I I believe it was um, Josh Brolin's character he was trying to kill him but he kind of indirectly did that Um, he didn't kill that character but caused him you know kind of set it up caused Mm -hmm. him to die Mm -hmm. but at the end he did end up having to kind of run away so it wasn't like this big victory but he did complete his task Um, but he was I remember watching No Country for Old Men for the first time And just thinking he was such a great villain. And that was really why I was so drawn into this movie because of that one particular character and just how unstoppable he was. Like he was Mm -hmm. coming after you no matter what, you know? And the crazy thing is that Javier Bardem has expressed the fact that, I mean, he's a pretty big pacifist. He doesn't like violence. (laughs) He didn't, he didn't want to play Anton Chigurh. And so the Coen brothers thought he'd be perfect for the role and he was like he's like i don't like violence i don't think i could play the character well and they're like that's why we want you for this this role and i was like who would even think of that you know like this guy's a a pacifist but you want him to play one of the greatest villains in movie history in my opinion and a lot of people i think would agree but yeah i mean he was he was a really cool villain i thought
1: yes oh yes oh man that's good He's going to show up on mine. I'm just going to say that. I'm sure he's going to okay. show up again. All right. Um, all right. So number three, right? So we're going with Hannibal Lecter. Okay. From dude, the dude. Our series,
0: our top five is <laughs> is is really similar. This is really cool. I'm pretty sure. Yes, I'm pretty sure this is going to be very similar. Lecter is
1: a. I, I think it's, I don't know if it's psychopath or if it's sociopath or what it is,
0: but he's a genius. He's the definitely, man, definitely a psychopath
1: for sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Psychopath. The man knows who, who, who chomps into a police officer and then immediately starts <laughs> listening to some classical tunes. Like it's no big deal. Yeah. With
0: blood still smeared on your face. Like, yeah, that's somebody that's nuts. I even read that. And during one of these attacks that you were talking about, where he just, you know, chomps into a police officer, his heart rate, I, I don't know how they know this. And maybe it was like in a book or something. Because I know uh, Silence of the Lambs was based off the book, he was in other movies too, like Hannibal and Red Dragon. But yep. his heart rate didn't go above ninety beats per minute when he was doing all that. That's dude. Okay, that's also. The, I mean, to Anthony Hopkins, like credit
1: too. Yeah. I mean, how for sure. how you were able to maintain the poise and just the 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 great acting as Hannibal Lecter and the seriousness all the way through, that's incredible.
0: Yeah, was incredible. Yeah, Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter is one of my favorite villains. And I mean, I think it's obvious that he's g- he's going to show up on my list for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. That's a good so, one, man. Where's yeah. your three? My number three is John Doe from seven. Yes. So you're number four. So I mean, I feel like I mean, so my top my top one was solid. My number one was solid. That was already like there was no way anything was going to cross it. But four mm. through two. For me, are so interchangeable. Like I was looking at it today. Like, do I really want to put this guy at number two, or should I move him back to number four because of this? Yeah. Or number three, you know. So, so number three for me is John Doe from Seven, and you know, like you talked about, his his plan was uh, to kill seven people, each representing one of the seven deadly sins, and he's doing that because he thinks society tolerates sin, and so he's wanting to bring that to the world's attention, but. I don't think he understands that that's hypocritical because he's now killing all these people which is obviously a sin as well. Mhm. But I love that concept. It's really unique. I I'm like almost 100% sure this wasn't based on a book and this was an original screenplay. Pretty sure. I think he plays great villains. I mean even if you look in uh the Usual Suspects. Mhm. He was Super deceiving, and you don't even know he's the villain until the very last 30 seconds or whatever. But in 7, he's this mastermind, like you said, that he's just narrating this whole thing. He's uh, manipulative, and he succeeded, you know? Yep, and But the, th- the things that he does, and I'm not going to go into too much detail about the the way he kills people, but, I mean, it's really disturbing. There's one particular one. I'm so glad they didn't show it. And they just they just explained it afterwards. And yeah. and I was like, thank you, David Fincher, for not writing that scene <laughs> into the movie, because I think we all would have been scarred for life. But at the end, I mean, we when I was I watched this movie, this is one of the few movies I've seen where I watched it for the first time. And I was like, I got to watch this immediately again, because <laughs> I was like. I just needed to process certain elements of the movie. So I watched it again as soon as I could, like I think it, the next day or whatever. And I've seen this maybe probably five times, I think. It's one of my all-time favorite movies ever. And that ending, I just, you just don't really see that coming. But Oh, man. And he even kind of has to go out on a limb a little bit for the his final kill, which is to get Mills to kill John Doe himself. Yep. And so you're just like you you got to hope that that works for you for your plan, but you know it's it's definitely going to happen because he was such an evil mastermind, you know. Yeah. And I mean, and I personally like when villains win because it's so different, you know.
1: Yeah, it's different from the norm. You're expecting a change to happen of good, but like Dude, sometimes it doesn't happen all that time, all the way like that. Yeah,
0: and at first this is just like a, a normal crime movie, you would think, but then things get progressively more intense, and you're like, this is definitely a different type of crime movie. And so I like that at the end, it was a very unconventional ending, and so you'll notice um, that a lot of the villains on my list win in some way, shape, or form. I mean, there's some obviously don't, but a, a good chunk of them do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah
1: so crazy that's so so great. that's a good one.
0: well what's your number two
1: all right number two you're gonna like this one i'm going with the joker the joker okay. is crazy awesome well like which joker quote, uh the joker from the dark knight okay hes ledger. ledger. so awesome. Heath ledger yes Heath ledger for sure i mean he wants to watch the world burn uh i don't know like the crazy schemes he comes up with are insane so who the, the christopher nolan right is he the one writer right yeah, or the yeah, producer Chris that Nolan. yeah. Yeah. So Nolan amazing job putting that together. Um Heath Ledger amazing acting. Convincingly insane. Yeah. Like and I and I think we've already talked we've talked about like the process of how he had to go into like getting into character that way and stuff. But the best Joker and the most insane. Like Batman's clear arch nemesis by far.
0: Great match and, for Batman.
1: Yes. I mean, you love Bane. Bane is the physical prowess against Batman. Joker's but Joker's not is the go intellectual against... match. Exactly. So yeah. Joker's not going to go up against Batman in a physical fight. He's going to lose. Right. So yeah. Joker's going to freaking use his intelligence and come up with the most twisted way for Batman to run away from him mm-hmm. and him to plot another intellectual way to get yeah. Batman in a conundrum. Like, incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that is. And you're right. Like, my top five they're almost like swirling together. And like in my yeah. brain, I'm like, there's there are elements of each of them that I'm like, well, this guy liked because of this, this guy liked because of this. And I feel like I could have swirled them all around um, and moved them. And I, pre- I bet you if I watched all those movies, I might even change it up again. And like yeah. I'd change it up another time.
0: I'm I'm pretty sure I could, I could somehow convince myself to change <laughs> one of the picks I have for numbers four, three, and two. <laughs> because I mean early like literally like an hour before we started this, my number four was my number two, and then I was like, wait a minute, no, I really like this about two and three. I mean so nope. it just you know, I mean, there are so there's so many of these really great villains, but these ones that you and I seem to like equally are I mean, obviously I think are just some of the best. Mm-hmm. But so my number two, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins, like we talked about, Silence of the Lambs. That's really the only movie I've seen specifically Hannibal in. I haven't seen the Hannibal movie or the Red Dragon movie, but Silence of the Lambs did enough for me to really like this villain. I want to go back and watch the others. I just know they're not supposed to be quite as good. Yeah, they're not. Um, they're not. Obviously, Hannibal Lecter is a cannibal. He eats people. But he's he's an expert in psychology, and he's highly intelligent. The thing that really sticks out to me about Hannibal Lecter the most is that he can know somebody instantly with never meeting them before. Mm-hmm. Like that first scene where he meets Clarice Starling. She walks in into the, uh, I guess it was an insane asylum, and they're having a conversation, and he can pinpoint everything about her past. And I was just like, that's really crazy. <laughs> yes. And so, for somebody that's a psychology major and wants to go to grad school for it, that's, I mean, the movie itself is because of that whole topic. It's just really interesting. And just, like I said, I mean, he's just kind of mentally invasive. He just invades your privacy, gets in your head and like, he just knows you instantly. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, he, yeah. He's like a profiler. Oh, so good. So good. He's super intuitive. And he isn't necessarily the main antagonist but he does kind of succeed because he escapes at the end but it, the the main guy that they're going after was somebody that wasn't locked up in a prison and wasn't being transported different places by like FBI agents and police but he does kind of win kind of at the end because he escaped yeah and I mean, and so then you know he's just out there and he's about to go eat this dude
1: <laughs> you know
0: so it's it's crazy He's an insane villain. And I and the reason the reason I had to put him this high was just because of I, I'm I'm more interested in that particular character than I was John Doe and Anton Shiger, just from the psychology perspective yeah. or standpoint. And that topic interests me just slightly more. So that's really the only reason I put him at number two. I mean, like I said, four, three, and two for me are all yeah interchangeable
1: but how insane like his lector how insane that he is as much as you're saying like psychology driven profiler that kind of stuff and then he eats
0: people like yeah. what a crazed attribute with with your amazing intelligence and it's kind of ironic too because obviously this guy has psychological disorders but he's a psychologist at the same time so he kind of uses that to his advantage to manipulate people, he knows how to get inside somebody's head because he's an expert in psychology. But at the same time, he has psychological disorders. So he gets inside their head to eat them. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's he's it's nuts. And Anthony Hopkins, he's a great actor. I mean, he can just totally switch roles because, the, I mean, if you think about it, he was Hannibal Lecter, but he was also the Pope and the two Popes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like. <laughs> It's like, how do you, how do you morph into all these different characters? And then he was, he was Odin. Odin, yeah. Yeah. It's nuts what Anthony Hopkins can do. Switches over. Yeah. So good. So I'm going to guess it. Your number one is Anton Chigurh. That is correct, man. All right. Anton Chigurh.
1: No Country for Old Men for me was like, I watched it because somebody was pulling my leg and it was, it had gotten awards, I think. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll take a look at this. Whatever. And you pointed out when, with Anton is his adaptability to any scenario to be able to yeah. do stuff with it. Whatever that weapon was that he had that was like hooked up to like a CO two tank or whatever. I have no idea. That he used yeah. to shoot in doorknobs, shoot people's heads through. Like no clue. But yeah. the dude rigged it up crazily. And he was like there was something about him that was super sinister and weird. He kind of reminded me of uh I don't know if you watched The Walking Dead at all. He kind of reminded me a little bit of... I've seen a little bit of The Walking Dead. One of the characters that's the craziest character right now is Negan. Okay. And when Negan shows up, you're afraid of what he's going to do to anybody. Because he don't, you don't care if he's on your team or not. He'll just take a baseball bat to your head immediately in that scene. And you're like, what 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 just happened? Why would you do that? Like, uh, you just got mad or something? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But, but Anton Chigurh, like, he had that kind of forebodingness to him and... You were just like, the only way to get rid of this guy is to kill him. There's nothing else you can do because he's going to go for his mission, whether he's maimed, whether he has one leg, whether he has two fingers, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. The dude's going for his prize. He's going to get it no matter what. Yeah. Um. And so like he just kept trudging and he, kept, he didn't care who it was. So like anybody he interacted with, I was like, that person's probably going to die. Yeah, very soon. Oh, yep. See you later, buddy. Okay. All right. Hey, you might not want to interact with. No. Du- oh, you're dead already. Too bad, man. I'm sorry. Too late, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. He just has this path of destruction that just continues through. And I. He's like, unstoppable. Yes. That is like iconic villain for me as far as he's he even keeled with his emotions and he just kind of does what he needs to do to accomplish his mission. And it's very, very creepy.
0: He's completely detached. From humanity, exactly. You know?
1: Yep, it's crazy, oh, insane.
0: So, so my number one, this probably will come without a surprise, is the Joker, Heath Ledger, The Dark oh, yeah. Knight. Oh yeah, he's obviously my personal favorite Joker. I talked, I, I, mean, I did an episode a few weeks ago on, uh, I where I ranked all the Jokers, and uh, Heath Ledger was at number one, and he's always been my favorite Joker since I watched The Dark Knight for the first time. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix was great, Jack Nicholson was great, but Heath Ledger is a different version, he's a different take on the character because he's so realistic, you know, and his uh, his motivations are a little different than Jack Nicholson's. He's a criminal mastermind, he's a terrorist, but he's always talking about chaos, you know, and his goal is to destroy a civil society because he thinks everything will be fairer that way. Mm -hmm. So, he's basically an anarchist, you know, and... He kind of approaches all of these thoughts that he has through, you know, some form of philosophy. Yeah, He's got very, the character has very philosophical themes that are kind of explored with it. And I just think the character is really interesting. He has a lot of really interesting quotes. If you could just, like, you go back and read them and you're just like, oh my gosh, that's kind of, that's messed up. But, you know, it's just, it's interesting at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's also a great match for Batman because Batman, obviously, like you said, you know, Batman could beat him up in a physical fight instantly, but they're an intellectual match for each other because they're both really smart. They both are, they both have that wit, you know, and so the Joker wants Batman to be, you know, kind of part of his plan to where he he wants to use Batman to show people that people naturally are immoral. But he realizes that he can't break through to Batman, you know, because Batman is a guy with really strong morals. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of really interesting philosophical themes that are explored uh, with the character of the Joker and just throughout the movie of the Dark Knight and just kind of its plot and the other characters in it. But the Joker is I mean, he's just he's totally my favorite villain of all time for sure. I mean, and it's irreplaceable for me. Dude, and I can see how psychologically
1: too, like if that's something you're studying too. Yeah. Dude, that's weird. Like he he you're right, his realism in being the Joker modernized how we would look at the superheroes today. Like Jack Nicholson was a great close to you know the 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 joker that we all know from the comics and stuff and the laugh and stuff like that
0: yeah he was good comic comic book accurate joker and like even like you
1: said in that i mean you got to go back and listen to the podcast like the 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 jokers that you described they had their different ways of doing things but totally different them, motivations yeah, yeah none of them were as intellectually sound yet had the philosophy behind what he was doing as Heath Ledger's did and it made yeah. it, it made him even crazier as a villain
0: yeah, I mean, and Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal as a Joker was an adaptation of that character that I really liked. But as a villain, he's not—you know—that was just an origin story of a particular villain. So it wasn't like he wasn't at his uh, highest potential. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't the—he wasn't um, at his peak like Heath Ledger was. And Joaquin Phoenix's Joker—it was more like you understand how somebody could get to where Heath Ledger was as the Joker. Yeah, you know, so. I think Joaquin Phoenix was fantastic in that role, and I think Jack Nicholson, you know, was just more the comic book accurate type Joker from the older comics. But Heath Ledger was just an interesting character. Mm. Yep, yep. Well, so Joker as Heath Ledger, or Heath, <laughs> Heath Ledger as a Joker, was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it all fits. <laughs> it said it all, all the all the wrong ways, and then the last one, of course, is the way I got it right. But whatever, <laughs> dude, that's
1: awesome, man. These have been good. These are great. Like I got yeah. It kind of surprised me that top five were going to be very similar like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was like, what our top the 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 top four of all of ours were the, the same, same, just in a in a different order. Yep. But um, your your number five was uh, Thanos, right? Yep. Thanos was there. So that was kind of interchangeable for us, or close close in the same order as yes. us, because uh, I had Thanos at number six. Um, but you, you didn't have any of the Star Wars villains in yours, did you? I did not have any Star Wars villains. I didn't have any of those. Okay. But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, it was pretty similar that turned you know, out I, good I, man I, that was awesome I, that that's awesome and and i'm i'm kind of glad that you know i think there was really only one movie in your list i hadn't seen mm-hmm. and i think you had seen all of mine so that worked out yeah, pretty that's well. perfect man that's good we watched yeah. the same kind of movies <laughs> yeah definitely a very similar taste um yeah so uh where can people find you on social media tim dude i'm on instagram um i have a music account tmo
1: audio t-m-o-a-u-d-i-o um, uh, you can check out a bunch of stuff We just It's got a lot of my April Sing Challenge stuff on there um, I do some covers of McNeil's band Finding Freedom, things like that um, Just have fun making music, making people happy through that I'm um, on Facebook, Tim Morgan, just look me up Um, And that's really where you can find me there I think Twitter's the same handle as my Instagram, Timo Audio I don't use it as much, but it is there Um, But yeah man, shoot me a line, something like that I'd love to be able to see what people are doing What people are up to
0: yeah. Well definitely go find Tim on social media, but I had a really fun time with this episode. This was this is a blast. I was I've been really looking forward to this because feelings are you know, they're characters that really interest me and they interest you. So I ha- I had a lot of fun with this episode.
1: Dude, same here. That was good, man. Love being on here, dude. This is so fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And once again, thanks for thanks for being on this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, be sure to tune in for more episodes in this series, and don't forget to follow or subscribe to my podcast on the platform you listen to podcasts so you can be notified when new episodes release. Stay safe out there, everybody, and once again, thank you for listening.